0: Welcome to episode 256 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is the Chief Executive Officer at we Think Code, where her primary responsibility is to gear the organization up for growth. She also co-founded FoldLeft, a digital consultancy that uses hypothesis-driven models to design and deliver impactful software solutions. Her expertise lies in bridging the divide between business executives and tech innovators to maximize the value of software. So, welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Nyari Samishonga.
1: Thank you very much, Phil. Really excited to be here.
0: So, Nyari, it'd be great to get some insight into your current role at WeThink Code and understand how that came about.
1: WeThink Code is a software development school, and it trains Africa's top tech talent. By recruiting people from backgrounds that would ordinarily be excluded, either because they haven't studied tech before, they didn't have great scores coming out of high school, but they have high aptitude. And so, actually, someone I'd worked with in a prior role referred me to them when they were looking for a new chief executive officer and felt like my combination of both technical and business expertise would be a good fit to work in this role.
0: So, how do people find out about We Think Code? What's the sort of would so say almost like a marketing channel to enable people to understand what, what you are and, and what you provide?
1: So the, the best way would be to go to our website, which is wethinkcode.co.za. And you could also look for us on Twitter, Instagram, all the regular social media platforms as well, to get a sense of the process of how people apply and how we train students to become um, top tech talent.
0: Yeah. And, and how many countries do you manage to reach?
1: Currently, we are only located in South Africa and we recruit 300 students each year and we graduate about 65% of those students and pathway them into full-time employment.
0: Okay. And and presumably the growth focus is within South Africa.
1: Well, actually, we're looking to expand beyond South Africa now. It was founded in 2016 and with the success that we've had, we're now really at that point of expanding both our footprint within South Africa and beyond. So we've proven out the model of recruiting people without a prior experience of software development, purely on aptitude, and then training them in a peer-to-peer program over two years. And they come out as capable software developers that are ready to contribute. And so that was, at the beginning, a bit of an audacious mission. Can you really take someone who doesn't have a prior background, can you recruit them without requiring any you know, prior academic entry qualification, and is two years enough to train them? And now that we've proven out that model and have had great success, we're looking at building it up and going further.
0: Yeah. So the track record, obviously, now, now you've been running for four years, you've got that and you can prove or show to others that are interested in taking this route that it can be done.
1: Yes, that it actually works and it's repeatable. The patterns are repeatable. Yes.
0: Exactly. Good. Okay. And your other involvement as well, you co-founded Fold Left. So could you maybe tell us a little bit about that as well?
1: Yes, so Fold Left is um, a big joy for me because it was the first business that I was um, involved in founding. Prior to that, I'd always been employed. And the focus with that was coming out of an environment where all the software I delivered was in a consulting capacity in large consulting houses. What we were finding is that a lot of organizations, the trouble you had in delivering software solutions was actually reflective of right in the beginning when the decision of what to build and why we are building it was made. Not enough rigor had gone into analyzing what problem are we trying to solve and why would this solution likely solve it. And so Fold Left really focuses on saying what is the business intent and then creating hypotheses around the proposed solutions so that we can quickly establish whether they work or they don't work. So tech right. is a powerful tool, but only if you're building the right tech and building it in the right way. And that's the emphasis of Fold Left.
0: Okay, good. Uh, that's interesting to hear as well. So can you maybe share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be?
1: For me, the big one, the big learning has been learn to be good at making decisions. And it almost sounds trivial when I say it, but I think the more responsibility I've had to take on, what I've realized is that everything that seems like a simple decision is actually linked to so many variables and has consequences in so many different ways. So the big career tip for me is learn to understand the complexity of the environment within which you make decisions. And the better you are at making decisions, the better the outcomes you'll tend to get. So don't take decisions for granted. Be aware of what am I actually trading off? By choosing this, what am I giving up? By gaining that, what problems am I creating? And then look all those things in the eye and say, okay, am I ready with this collection of outcomes?
0: Niori, can you share with us your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience?
1: Ooh, How much time do we have? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So this would be a few years ago, actually, um, early into my career in tech was um, working in an environment for a client. And at the beginning, our goal was to create a web application. And I was so excited when we started because there was so much potential in terms of the tech we could play with and the impact we could make for users, both of which is what I enjoy, like there's a problem to solve. And at the end of it, I can actually see and touch the impact. And yep. then as it started to unfold, what to me was you know, the thing I was saying about decisions, here is the, the problem space, here are the solutions, and then more importantly, here are the limitations. And so I started to speak up about tech that was supposedly ready, that wasn't ready, um, environments that were standing and ready for us to use that were not there. Timelines that were either at threat or no longer achievable because of these limitations. And I bumped into a world of politics uh, where, in hindsight, I think I was quite naive. Uh, head in the clouds, we're here to build the tech and make the impact. But then, on the ground, what was happening was there was this warfare. From the consulting side, the leadership that I was reporting to had made promises about what we could deliver. And had given such reassurances that me pointing out these limitations, in some ways, I guess, made them appear in a bad light. And then on the client side, people had taken those promises and downstream made their own promises. And me speaking up and saying, oh, this is a problem, was political. And the interesting thing is I hadn't intended to be political uh, so much as just observant and communicative. And I found myself in this pressure cooker where I was being heavily censored Um, being closed out of certain meetings and forums where, you know, my perspective was risky. And it escalated to the point of performance review sessions coming out of nowhere, claims about my general performance and my person coming under scrutiny. And it was an incredibly painful moment, Um, not least of all because of how the fight emerged without me ever gearing up for one or realizing I was walking into one. And yeah, in the end, I chose to walk away. I did what no one um, is advised to do in a consulting space. I just reassigned myself and moved to a different <laughs> project. Um, and yeah, it was it was an important moment for me to learn that, not that I would have made different decisions, but that if I had thought more clearly about the things I was observing and the things I was saying, I think I would have upfront understood more the consequences of the things I was saying and the consequences of the projections I was making. And either emotionally geared myself up for the backlash or strategically handled certain conversations better, knowing that this would be an area of sensitivity, as opposed to just saying, well, here's the set of facts. Who doesn't like facts? Take it or leave it. Um, and so, yeah, that was a really painful and tough time, but I think I grew a lot from it.
0: Good. I mean, I suppose that one of the one of the problems with that is that those sort of political situations are something you learn from by experience but, but having said that um, if you were to give yourself some hindsight um, advice before you walked into that situation what do you think that would have been
1: I think it would have been be married to the outcomes everything isn't so black and white from the get go and have some empathy even when you strongly disagree with certain positions, have some empathy with, with what might be informing what you're viewing as, okay, that's a lack of integrity because that's not truthful. Hold to that position, but express it in a way that understands why someone has been driven into a corner where they feel that they should give up their integrity and then try to take it from that direction. I would give myself a pat on the back to say that in certain situations when they become untenable if you have the freedom to it is okay to walk away
0: that is true definitely yes it is an option i think one of the other things to consider as well when when somebody has almost an opposite perspective on a particular topic or subject there's usually an underlying reason for it and obviously you won't necessarily know what it is so as you've mentioned empathy it's being you know being aware that there are reasons for people having the opinions they hold
1: exactly yeah and, you know, it's um, there's a there's a comment I heard many years ago, and I don't know where exactly I heard it from, but that we tend to judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. So yes. we feel like if I observe something and I disagree with it, then it's, it's an unacceptable thing, which is why I would disagree. But then when we do things and someone tells us they're disagreeable, there's a mouthful of explanation of why and where and whereof, and I'm sorry, but... And so there's, yeah, there is that journey to walk of going into a debate or a discussion with not just a willingness, but an active desire to understand where the other person is coming from. And you might still end up at the same place, but maybe the interaction is not so acrimonious.
0: Yes, I think you're right there. Yep. Okay. So moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight to date?
1: Oh, yeah. I think now that I work at Rethink Code, that's that's a lot easier. I think the career highlight for me is in the work that we do in finding ways to alter and shift how we deliver the training to help people succeed. And the most exciting is to see someone who's struggled because they've never coded before and they're a smart person and they're a capable person and they're caught in the frustration of suddenly feeling so inadequate because they can't figure things out. And the work that we're doing and the interventions that we're staging suddenly breaking through and seeing a person finally getting it and starting to fly, that is, that is fulfilling in, in such an amazing way. I made my transition from accounting into technology after I had been working at that point for about 12 years. And that was intimidating because I came from a space where I was competent, where I was respected, and I could almost take certain knowledge for granted. So I know how it feels to know you're a capable person, but then to show up and be completely incapable, every word, every acronym, nothing makes sense. And then (laughs) there's that moment when it finally all clicks and you start to feel like yourself again, and then all the other things you've been capable and you can bring them into that space because you understand that space well enough. And so now I get the joy to be part of delivering that to so many people and especially people from backgrounds where they would have been excluded from the economy and say, no, but we see you and we see your capability and you can be amazing. And then the best moment is when they get it and you can step back and let them fly. That's joy. Yes.
0: Yeah, and, and of course, with, with the company you're, you're involved in, you get to see that on a continual basis. So you'll, you'll continue to see individuals making those breakthroughs. So you get the benefit of that on a consistent process, I suppose.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay. Niyari, can you tell us what excites you about the future of the industry and careers in IT in particular?
1: Yeah, you know, this is an interesting one because the answer I give surprises people. I'd say it's the same thing that attracted me to my career in audit, which is um, just the broad landscape of where you can participate. And, you know, as an auditor, you get that opportunity to work in so many different industries. And I worked in financial services and had derivatives on one hand in agriculture and figured out roots of sugarcane on the other hand and did these vastly different things. And I enjoyed that exposure. The thing that IT then gives me more than audit ever could is then the ability to be creating impact and change in those spaces. And IT is everywhere. You know, whatever business you are in, now you're in the business of IT. So that means you can reinvent yourself so many ways and so many times, more than Madonna. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so, you know, you can be someone working in financial services today, in health tomorrow, in technology the next day, and the skill is so transferable to being impactful in so many different ways. And impact is a big obsession of mine. And I think that's what's exciting about IT. And being on the African continent, there's such an opportunity for young minds to be plugged into this. And become relevant in the economy in ways that otherwise wouldn't have been because of the barriers that other professions would put in place, IT kind of takes those away. And if someone can give you a computer and a connection to an internet, the sky's the limit. So that's what excites me about it, is it just creates so much opportunity to make so much impact yes. for people coming from such vastly different backgrounds. And it's a leveler in a way. And yeah, that's that's really exciting.
0: Okay, We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this?
1: Um, Yes, I am. Ready as I will be.
0: Okay. (laughs) So this partly relates to the previous question, I suppose, and the way you answered it. But what first attracted you to a career in IT?
1: I wanted to create. I didn't want to come when the party was over and tell the story of what happened. I actually wanted to create. I wanted to see my ideas become reality.
0: So very, very much the sort of involvement is very important to you, being part of it, throughout from, from initiation to delivery?
1: Yes. I'm, I'm that person who's very much about, you know, when there's a problem or something going on. I'm, I'm always curious about how things work. Like what's the system that created this problem and how do we systematically change it? And IT gives me an opportunity to be both on that um, problem definition side and then creating solutions and then actually checking if they work. And that's that's fun for me.
0: What is the best career advice you've ever received?
1: learn to let go. And this was um, at the point when I was looking at shifting careers. I was so scared. I was scared that I was letting go of, you know, over a decade of hard work and accomplishment. And at the time, I really didn't know if I would do well. I didn't really know what exactly I would end up doing. And the best advice I got was just learn to let go of the impression that the world has of you. And focus on trying the things that you're instinctively leaning towards. And you'll always be your whole person. You'll always be that person who was competent, the person who was capable, the person who achieved, the person who failed, the person who got up. So let go of this moment so that you can reach and touch the next one. And I've used that advice again and again and again when I get scared. And I'm, you know, quite the daredevil. So I'm always putting myself in scary situations. And I always remember (laughs) that advice.
0: (laughs) Okay. So presumably that sort of relates to the people talk about their comfort zone. Is that similar?
1: Yes, absolutely. Which is those accomplishments are mine to hold on to. Nothing takes them away. But if I allow them to define me so much, then I can't be all these other things. Even if one of them is finding out that I'm terrible at something, you know? Like I'm never gonna be good at singing, but I'll try karaoke. <laughs> you know. So that's <laughs> that's my perspective on it is step out of that comfort zone and you'll be amazed that You're not that far from success in the next phase. But there's that one moment where you've got to let go. And when you're most afraid and just trust yourself, back yourself up and go for it.
0: So rather sort of almost the opposite question, really, what is the worst career advice you've ever received?
1: Don't be so argumentative. (laughs) Okay. And I think it was contextual where maybe I was committing career suicide by being open and honest and disagreeing. And it was clear that the power structures didn't agree with me. But what I have found is that by being authentic and not so much arguing, it's a bit tongue in cheek, but by being authentic and honest, yes, I might have alienated quite a few people because I'm so strident in my positions and my views, but I've also been able to build some really authentic relationships because I can find true resonance with my tribe and then those relationships have opened up opportunities for me to work in spaces, be exposed to things that I'm passionate about. And I feel like if I had been hiding behind, preoccupied with climbing ladders, getting along with everyone, not rocking the boat a little bit, I wouldn't be where I am. I believe I'm where I am by just being authentic and open, even if it you know, ruffles a few feathers.
0: If you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do?
1: Oh, man. So I only began my career in IT about um, eight years ago. So I consider myself an IT baby. But um, what would I do differently? I think I would have started coding sooner as opposed to feeling like someone had to give me permission and I knew what problem I wanted to solve and how. I think I just would have gone for it and tried it and just more like a child, just played with it like Play-Doh.
0: Right. Yeah. To so get your hands dirty, give it a go, yeah. see what happens.
1: Yeah. And not, you know, felt like there's a formal way, there's an appropriate way, there's a path to be credentialized, but more like, a, oh, why not? <laughs> you yeah. know, What's the worst that could happen? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what career objectives are you currently focusing on?
1: I think my two career objectives would be For We Think Code, really scaling the operation and taking it across the continent. And in that process, the second part of that is ensuring that there's gender parity in the representation that comes out of We Think Code. I am a strong believer in the representation of women in technology. I've worked with amazing, brilliant women in technology. But there's a lot of stigma and misconceptions and negative opinions about tech in the minds of women, in the minds of people that influence career decisions of women, in the minds of people that work with women in tech. And one of my goals is that if we're going to do growth from day one, let's do growth figuring out how to get women representation right. And it's not easy. It's actually quite complicated and layered in terms of how do you get the marketing right so that when women see it and they've never thought of themselves as a developer, they see resonance and they'll try it out. How do you identify and communicate with the influencers so that they become aware and their messaging changes? How do you then create an environment for the pioneers, the first few women that come into an environment that's still very male dominated so that they're safe, Uh, whether that's a physical safety from things like sexual harassment or it's an emotional safety in terms of how the dynamic on the ground works? so that you know, you're not out there recruiting hordes of women and then putting them in an environment that hurts them? And then how do you support them in actually building careers where they grow? So a very holistic approach to supporting the inclusion of women in tech. And what's
0: the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far?
1: Accounting, 100%. Accounting has made it possible for me to get to the bottom line Why are we doing what we're doing? What's the value we're looking for at the end? And value doesn't have to be financial, but it has to be something that we can collectively agree that if we do this right, getting this outcome is worthwhile. I learned that from accounting, that after everything is said and done, the inputs, the effort, the thoughts, the arguments, the agreements, the fun, the frustration, ultimately culminates to a bottom line. And what is that bottom line? And I think in building Fold Left as being hypothesis driven, that's the motivation. In looking at we Think code and agreeing with the mandate that was always there before I joined, which is success is when young people are able to enter careers and build themselves within technology. To me, it's what's the bottom line? And I learned that from yeah. accounting. Accounting brutally Indeed. focuses on that.
0: <laughs> so obviously with, with an accounting or accountancy background, do you do you do you think you have that sort of detailed mindset as a consequence of that?
1: Oh, absolutely. There's uh breaking down problems, understanding how things come together and joining them. I actually learned that from accounting. The specifics and how what seems like an air quote, oh, it's just semantics. Semantics are a big deal. And that is as true in tech as it is in accounting. And so it definitely gave me that grounding. The other thing that it also gives me is an insight into business. Because one of the things that I found in my journey in tech is that not every brilliant technologist always understands what makes a business tick. So when technologists, I often say when technologists say business value, often the things they are saying to business people are not valuable. Your sprint and you know your story count and all these things business people are not necessarily thinking that's valuable. They're saying, how do I win in the market? And accounting enabled me to be fluent in the language of business. And so now when I work in technology, I'm very quickly able to grasp and understand the business relevance of what we're doing or the lack of business relevance of what we're doing and also able to translate in a business language, you know, when a discussion about technical debt is going on, Well, you know, it's not actually technical debt, it's the business's debt because they're paying it by not getting what functionality they believe they need. And being able to articulate to business that this thing that seems like a detour from your dream and your goal is actually integrally relevant to you. And so it is tech, but this is why it enables business. And so that fluency comes from accounting for me. I think there are other ways to get it, but for me, that was definitely the road.
0: And what do you do to keep your own career energised?
1: I I keep reinventing myself. I like new challenges. I enjoy taking on responsibility in spaces where I don't feel fully qualified on day one, where I'm like, okay, I could tick some of those boxes, but that's a, a new space. And so this preoccupation with being impactful and yeah. less with being sure that my ego will be stroked at the end of it is how I'm able to to continue to step into spaces that are interesting and continue to grow. And yes. tech gives a lot of opportunities for that if you're willing to take them on.
0: It does, definitely. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology?
1: I cycle. I enjoy road cycling. And that's a joy for me. It's, it allows my mind to shut down. It's physically very grueling. Um, so I do very long rides. Um, I'll go for about a 90, 98k ride, 100k ride and push myself really hard to try and go as fast as I can.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's a fair distance.
1: (laughs) It must have gone all day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Takes about four hours, three and a half to four hours, depending on the distance. Yeah, but it's a joy for me. I I really enjoy the physicality of it.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, Niyari, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience?
1: What I would say has served me is focusing on being impactful, decide what that impact is. And that impact doesn't necessarily need to be philanthropic or to a human, but it's like, okay, I want to make this thing better. I want to make it faster and understand what outcome you're looking for. And then start to organize yourself to pick the path and do the things that serve that outcome. That way you're able to stay focused. You're able to persevere when it gets hard. Because you always have that North Star of where you're going. And so for me, that's definitely something that's enabled me to be both fulfilled and effective. And so that's, that's, that's my advice is be clear to yourself on what you're trying to achieve before you start and then do what you need to do to get it done, even if it's hard.
0: Yes. And presumably you, you make a conscious effort to check against that goal. On a continual basis?
1: Exactly. Is measure, 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 always be measuring. Yeah. And the harder it is to measure, probably the more important it is to measure. (laughs) And yeah, to me, that's what's really important. And in doing that, it's like this goal setting way that I can see myself growing, which is, well, you know, when I started this, I wasn't so sure I could get to that outcome. Did I get there? When I'm getting caught up and I'm now in debates or clashes with other people, am I clashing about the technology? Am I clashing about an ego or... Am I actually still serving the purpose and the outcome? That is, I think, sage advice. (laughs) I try to move by it. um, Is focus on the outcomes, know what they are, and measure your progress towards them. And know when you've won. I love to win.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you?
1: Um, So you can find me on Twitter, um, at Nyari Sam. And I'm also on LinkedIn, as Nyari Samushonga. And yeah, you can definitely look me up on the We Think Code or Full Left websites.
0: Niari, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you.
1: Phil, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Hi, Phil here again. Now, if you thought about being a guest on a show yourself, or you have somebody in mind that might be a good guest, please do let me know. You can reach me on Twitter, where I'm at philtechcareer, or you can find me on LinkedIn or you can even contact me through the website, which is ITCareerEnergizer.com. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit
1: ITCareerEnergizer.com.